God, we do thank you that you have given us the opportunity to rest in you. In this crazy world, in this crazy Christmas season, so often we are anxious and afraid and harried and frantic, and we need that reminder that in you we have peace and rest. And so this morning, as we look to your word, would you remind us that your desire for us is to experience more and more of not only your righteousness in our lives, but as a result of our giving ourselves to your plan for our salvation, that we would experience the the joy and the peace and the hope of your life manifesting itself in our lives this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our series this uh, Christmas season is called Joy to the World, and if you're familiar with the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, the angels appeared to the shepherds in the desert out at night as they're watching their flocks, and the angels said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And we've been talking about how some of the prophetic passages from the book of Isaiah are captured in this announcement of the angels that that God had promised a Savior that would come. And that if you work through the book of Isaiah, you can see that there are three different portraits of what this Messiah would be like. The first portrait is that that he would be a king from the line of David. He would be a, a royal authority figure that would fulfill God's righteousness for his people. And then the second portrait that we see uh, that we're going to look at a little bit more today is that not only would he be a great king, but he would also come as a suffering servant. And then that king, who is also a suffering servant in the third portrait, we will see comes also as the anointed conqueror of God to overcome this world and to make all things new. We've been saying that joy to the world, therefore, is an announcement of celebration, that God's promises have been fulfilled, that that God's anointed is coming, his Savior has been manifest to the world. That's what Christmas is all about. And yet we've also said that joy to the world is sometimes a statement of faith. Because on this side of heaven, we don't always necessarily feel the joy of that truth in our lives. Sometimes we feel more the pain and the suffering of life in this world. And so joy is a statement of faith that even though we go through difficult times and we live in a dark and an evil world, we trust and we hope in Jesus Christ as God's answer to all of our deepest longings and needs. The Advent season, as we've been saying, is a season of waiting tension, right? Waiting in the tension for God to manifest his salvation in our lives and in our world. It's it's a watchful waiting. It's a, a hopeful waiting. And as we anticipate the birth of Jesus again this Christmas season, we're reminded of this good news message of the Bible. That even though we live in a world of darkness and brokenness, and, and we even experience that darkness and that brokenness within ourselves... God is a God of justice and of mercy, and and he's promised that if we put our faith and our trust in his son, Jesus, that he will overcome the world, including our brokenness and sin. 
Now, the book of Isaiah, we've said, is a collection of these prophetic writings dating back to uh, the 700s BC, before Christ, 700 plus years before Jesus was even born. God, through the prophet Isaiah, was planting the seeds that, that his people would understand when his promise came to fulfillment, they could put their faith and their trust in God's will to follow through on what he says for their lives. And our contention is that we too can put our trust in that same God today. What we've learned so far is that there would be a a shoot that would come from the stump of Jesse. It would be a a shoot, a new plant that would come from a a, a grapevine that had been chopped down. And and that Jesse was David's father. And so he'd come from the ancestral line of David himself. And and therefore, he would be a a royal king of of the line of David. And that there would be a sign when this shoot would would emerge into the world. And that sign would be that a, a virgin would conceive and bring forth a child. And that child would become light in the darkness and, and would appear within the region of Galilee, restoring fruitfulness and victory to God's people. And that not only would he be a king that was from David's line, but he would bring true righteousness and peace to the whole earth. And we talked about that word peace in the Hebrew, right, is shalom. And, and, and it doesn't just mean the absence of conflict, but it means things being put back together, wholeness and completion and healing being brought, fulfillment and all the things that are really the deeper longings of our hearts. God has promised will be brought to fulfillment in this coming king. He would bring the very presence of God among us and that the throne of this new coming king wouldn't necessarily be an earthly throne, but it would be the very hearts of God's people. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And yet, as we will see today, if you follow this story through the portrait of the coming Messiah through the book of Isaiah, there begins to be a foreshadowing that this royal coming king would have to suffer and go through many trials and tribulations in order to accomplish the goals that God had for him to fulfill. This arm of the Lord that would bring God's might into the world would come as a suffering servant. We pick up the story in Isaiah 53, and we're going to read chapters 1 through 3 to get us started. If you'd like to follow along on on, on your device or in your flat screen Bible, that's the the old style, you can do that, but we'll also have it on the the screen where we can read along together. Beginning in verse 1, Isaiah says, if we'll have it, it's coming, it won't come up, there it is, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Again, this arm of the Lord is a, is a phrase for, for the Messiah, for the, the coming Savior, the promised one of God. He grew up before him like a tender shoot. Oh, too fast. Go back. <laughs> and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. We valued him very little. 
Now, scholars suggest if you go through and study some of the commentaries around Isaiah, that, that without God letting us know in this fashion in advance what his plan of salvation would look like, there is no way in our natural human tendency that we would ever connect this passage to God's plan of salvation for our lives. Right? With, with this person's birth and being completely unattractive and having no majesty that we would be drawn to him and, and, and knowing that he would suffer and, and, and go through pain in life, that's not something that we as humans hold up as, as something valuable or that we model ourselves after or that we would look to as, as the arm of the Lord at work in the world, right? Who, who, would, have, who would have ever thought of this? Isaiah starts off. Who would believe that that message is God's message of salvation for humankind? This knowledge of the servant could only come, he says, through God's divine revelation. Without God's revelation in our lives, without God's revelation in his word to us, our human nature would totally devalue the whole good news of the Christian message. Human eyes saw only a man among men, a human of human ancestry with no special dignity uh, who would be the object of scorn and be rejected by his own people. God's answer to human sin and suffering would be a man of suffering and pain. Yet the suffering of the servant is now explained in Isaiah 53 as the wounding of the one who bore the sins of the whole world. There was a purpose for why God would send this one to be a suffering servant. He continues in verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. One scholar suggested that there is no better summary of the good news of God's salvation that came through Jesus Christ in the Bible than Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 through 6. Can you understand how radical an idea it is that 700 plus years before Jesus was even born, God told Isaiah that his promised salvation, his people would come through the suffering and the death of his servant, the one that he would send into the world. Nobody could have ever imagined that. Nobody could have thought of it. And when we begin to realize it through God's revelation, when the truth of this, this gift that God has given us begins to dawn on us, then we with Isaiah begin to say it was our sin and our suffering that he took on himself. In the same way that animal sacrifices for the sins of the people were done in order to atone people for sin in Israel, it is, it is now our own sin sickness that he bears. It's that he takes on himself and that, that what an animal sacrifice could never do, the, the present living son of God could do in a way that no one else could. One scholar suggested that the word suffering here in the NIV is more literally our infirmities, our sicknesses. And I like, I like that term, sin sickness, because we, we, we kind of resist this word sin in our lives, right? And, and yet we understand that there's something wrong with us, right? 
But, but it's, it's not always our, our, our choice. It's something that we're born into. It's kind of this sin sickness that we have that we suffer under. And we, we know that it causes us pain and it causes pain from people around us. And you don't have to read the news very long to know that we live in a sin sick world that, that is, is killing and oppressing and, and just treating people horribly. We know that the darkness of this world is real, and we know that evil exists, even on just a a gut level. And what we see as we read through the Bible and understand God's plan of salvation is that his plan was that the Son would take on the very sin sickness of our lives and experience the pain and the suffering of this world so that we could experience his joy and peace and healing in our lives. I mean, isn't it true for us in our own lives? Even in our, uh, in, in our uh, very rich and wealthy and prosperous culture and world, I mean, many of us are in what? The top 1% or 2% of, of wealth in the world, if you look globally. Even in the midst of our prosperity, we, we experience daily fear and anxiety and suffering and broken relationships. In many ways, we wish for more in life than we're able to achieve in our own strength, in our own wisdom. But the the good life, the the happiness that we long for always seems to elude us. And we're often weighed down by sorrows and disappointment and tragedy, anxiety and loss and fear. But you see, the good news is that Isaiah tells us that as we look forward to this baby that was born at Christmas, he came to take on that suffering, to take on that pain, to participate in it with us so that he could free us from the consequences of our sin and expose us to the joy and the peace and the healing that comes from God, our Heavenly Father. That means he knows your heart this morning. He knows the suffering that you're going through. He knows the fears that you carry. He knows the burdens that weigh you down. And he wants to walk alongside you. He wants to take those burdens and carry them for you so that you can experience the freedom of his peace in your life. One author said, it this way, the servant went deeper in his work for us, dealing not only with our sinful state and our alienation from God, but to our very broken personhood. He took on our total need so that he could become our total answer. The punishment that was deservedly ours, he bore in himself in order to secure us peace with God. And as a result, it is his peace that we receive. It is his healing that is made available to us. It's his wholeness that comes into our life when we accept that it's only through his righteousness that we can hope to experience the fulfillment of God's plan for our lives. I think the challenge of Isaiah 53 for me as I read through this passage and and perhaps for us this morning and for this Christmas season is, is even though we know this stuff, how often do we continue to live out this passage of Isaiah 53 and hide our faces from the Savior? If truth be told, don't we resist God's movement in our lives? Don't we think that somehow we can control our lives? And if if we just trust in our own wisdom, we can get there. We, we in the process, reject the gift that God has for us of of his healing and his wholeness in our lives because we we somehow undervalue, we hold him in low esteem when it comes to thinking about how do we manage our daily lives apart from him. Aren't we good at hiding from God? I mean, we realize, don't we? Do you realize this morning that one of the best places to hide from God is right here in church? 
right? Because we can go through the religious activities. We can sing the songs and we can say the words and, 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 and we can revere the cross. And yet if we're not willing to live it out and to receive the gift and to, to submit ourselves to the Savior's work in our lives, it's all just for show. We often focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus as the only important factor. And hang with me here, because I'm going to walk us through this for a minute here. Because if we accept his death and resurrection, it means we get eternal life, right? I mean, that's a good deal. We'll say yes to that. But we also need to remember that his life was an equally important part of the gift as well. When he was born into this world on Christmas, he willingly chose to be born fully human as one of us, and as a result, the day he was born, he was destined to die. You realize Jesus would have died no matter what, right? The day he was born, he became fully human. He was destined to die. He took on the pain and the suffering and the mortality of life in this world and the fear that he knew that one day his life would come to an end. He shared the exact same experience that we share. However, the way that he lived that life in the midst of his own fear and anxiety has given us understanding of what the righteousness of God is that he invites us to receive as we follow him. And then we begin to see that the way that he died has given us a confirmation of his identity as the Messiah of God, right? God's savior to the world was demonstrated in that Jesus died the way that he died. He was the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And as the Messiah, he was therefore the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then because he came back to life, because of the resurrection, because he is alive and he is with us now through God's Holy Spirit, we can have the hope that his suffering is sufficient to overcome our suffering and our sin. And even the times that we continue to reject him and say no to him and hide our faces from him, because we all do that, right? I know I do. And, and, I, and I confess to you this morning that, that in this season, God is challenging me to, to, to expose my own sin and hiding from him again to him in this season, to receive the baby Jesus into my life in a way that will refresh and renew my walk with God in this season. Because it's as we recognize that healing and wholeness and completion in our lives comes only as we accept the righteousness of God that comes only through him. Isaiah 53, we're going to jump to verse 11. I'd love to read this whole passage. I'd encourage you to spend some time in Isaiah 53 this week. But he says, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. After he suffered, he will see the light of life. Isaiah is telling us that his, he's going to suffer, he's going to be rejected, and he's going to die. But Many people believe that he's also telling us that he will rise again. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life. And, and we, too, can know that even though we go through times of darkness, and we may even be in a season of suffering right now, we, too, can know that the light of life will be ours if we put our trust in Jesus and allow him to walk us through even those seasons that feel like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But we need to be willing, as we've been saying, to receive 
that gift. To not just say yes to to the death and resurrection and get our free ticket to heaven, but to, to do what he did and to take it on and to pick it up and to carry it in our lives, to bear it as a a new responsibility to to live out the righteousness of God in our lives like Jesus did in the same way that he picked up and carried our sin and brokenness. We need to be willing to pick up the mantle of Christ in our lives and to carry this gift of healing in us to help us make wise and good decisions so that we can then pass on that gift to others. Jesus told it this way to his disciples in Luke chapter 9, verses 21 to 25. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, he said. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day rise to life. See, Jesus knew Isaiah, right? Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Men and women, it's one thing to revere the cross of Christ. It's a completely other thing to carry it. To carry our cross is to recognize our own ability, inability to achieve the wholeness and the perfection and the satisfaction that we long for in this life, in our marriages and with our kids and in our careers and all of the things that we hope for in our society and in our world. And to put our trust completely in the one who bore our sin and brokenness on the cross so that we could receive his gift of peace and wholeness in our lives. The reality is that to die to ourselves, our sin-sick, broken selves, is to come alive in him in a whole new way that we never could have imagined. And on the basis of this sin-bearing work, Israel is then called into a covenant of peace, a covenant of shalom with their God. And ultimately, if you read on through Isaiah, it becomes an everlasting covenant that God makes with the world to establish peace and righteousness for eternity. One last verse I just want to share with you, Isaiah, jumping to 54, verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. We talked about this last week when when Isaiah said it was the zeal of the Lord that will accomplish this. And we talked about how this idea of zeal is, is the passion and the jealousy of a lover who's not willing to let us go, who's willing to leave the 99 for the sake of the one. And no matter where you are, no matter how far you've run, no matter how much you've turned your back or are hiding your face from God, perhaps the message of joy to you this Christmas is that God loves you right where you are. God God has pursued you to the depths of the earth, to beyond the earth, to, 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 to hell and back, to let you know that he loves you. And it doesn't matter where you've been or how far you've run. He's willing to welcome you back with open arms. And if you're willing to pick up that cross and die to your sin sick self, he will restore a new self that is made in the image of his son, Jesus, who gave his life so that we could have life and have it to the full. As we wrap up this morning, and we anticipate coming to Holy Communion, 
I'd just like to leave you with a couple questions for you to ponder this morning and in the weeks ahead. In what ways are you hiding from God this morning? What ways are you hiding from God this morning? In what areas of your life do you truly desire his healing and his peace? In what areas do you truly desire his healing and his peace? And lastly, are you willing to die to yourself in order to experience that peace in your life? God loves you, and nothing can separate you from that love. And you can trust in the hope of God for your life today and every day. The good news of Christmas brings joy to the world, and his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me?